Greetings and salutations, y'all. Chris and Jess here from Classic Camera Revival. Today on the show, we got ourselves a very special guest from the Midwest. But before we dive in, Mr. Laux, you know what to do. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. Welcome back. Today's guest is a very special one indeed. Sarah Stellino is an incredibly talented portrait photographer based out of the American Midwest who clearly throws her heart into her work. Not only does she capture her beautiful portraits on mainly large format cameras, but she also prints them in the darkroom, something I am very jealous of. I think I can speak for both Chrissy and I to say how excited we are to be chatting with you today, Sarah. But before we jump in, how is everyone doing? Doing really good. I'm excited to be here. I was excited to chat with you both a little bit more in depth. I know we did last year, but... Yeah, no, we definitely want to have you back on um, to go a little more in depth, like you said, because uh, it's always fun to get to know people within the community. So it's always like the roundtables are a lot of fun as well, but uh, it's always fun when we get a chance to, you know, dive a little deeper, dig, ask those tough questions. Yeah, I usually like to think of like roundtable as like kind of like a teaser. I'd be like, hey, here's some people that I think are like pretty cool. Go check them out. And then like afterwards, we're like, yeah, let's check them out now and see yeah. how it goes. Exactly. Yeah. And how are you, Chrissy? Oh, you know, it is currently April and in Canada, that means it's wonderful, wonderful tax time, which is everybody's favorite time of the year. I know it's just so good. Oh, yeah. Tax time. I, I'm I'm such like a mess, like I'm super scattered. So I have to run around trying to find all of my stuff and then scan it so I can send it to my accountant. And I'm running a little late this year, but it'll get done. It'll get done. Yeah, it's always yeah. Done. yeah. It's it's just it's so annoying. Like, why why do we have to do it every year? Why can't you know? I I'm not an accountant, so I have no idea what it actually entails to do taxes. So I'm thinking like you know maybe every like two three years we could do them instead. But uh, maybe that would be a big big mess and even worse. <laughs> be hard to track down your documents for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, that yeah that would be a lot more work for me. I'd have to be way more organized. Yes, maybe just stick to once a year. I guess. I guess yeah. we'll stick to once a year. All right. But, you know. As much fun as tax talk is for everybody, I know it is super <laughs> exciting for me. Um, but yeah, Sarah, we are super excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, I'm really excited to kind of get in and talk about large format. Jess, I was watching some of your large format videos this weekend. Oh, cool. It's just, it's so much fun. It really is. And yeah. like, I, I haven't played as much around with my large format camera yet. Um, like I haven't even started with the movements, but I know that that's like the most exciting part of large format. So I'm really excited to talk to you about it. Cause I'm hoping that I'm going to learn a little bit before I take my camera back out. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <These are high>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to start you off with everyone's favorite question. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into film photography? Yeah, um, it's funny. I was thinking about, you know, how I got into photography earlier today. And I feel like it's kind of the classic story, like in, in some cases. I mean, I took a darkroom class in high school and I just had so much fun being in the darkroom and ha having those classic first experiences and being terrified to open up your 35 millimeter canister in the dark. <laughs> like sure you're gonna ruin it but um it was just like a really great experience and for whatever reason I 
kind of fell out of touch with photography for until my mid to late twenties kind of, and, um, inherited a family camera and started going back down the rabbit hole, um, kind of at the same time that I was starting to date my now wife. So kind of like throughout the whole process of our relationship, it's just been like, okay, well, what camera do I need now to take pictures of her? And just going further and further down the rabbit hole and apparently bigger and bigger cameras. Um, but I didn't get a large format camera until quarantine, actually. I obviously was going down like the internet rabbit hole of different portraits and medium format and trying to um, kind of like explore what different cameras might help me take better portraits, which is funny now. I, well, every camera like has its pros and cons, you know, but early on, I feel like I was definitely looking for the, the right camera. Um, but once I actually got large format, I feel like it just fit my style a lot. Um, I'm kind of like a naturally a very slow photo taker. And so I feel like having something that mirrors that and almost demands that almost like gives me that excuse to take more time instead of like feeling rushed. Um, so that's kind of like the beginnings of how I got into photography. Um, how talking about myself is that's like the biggest, <laughs> the most dreaded question. It um, really is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to answer that. I guess maybe I've been in the Midwest almost, well, my whole life. I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, lived in Chicago for a short time where I met my wife and now we're back in Madison, Wisconsin. So um, I have a dog, he's a border collie, he's adorable, um, very crazy high energy. And my wife is currently pregnant. So it's taken up a lot of our time just preparing for that. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, and I did see on your website that you uh, do rock climbing and that's something that really fascinates me most likely because I just don't have like upper body strength to do something like that. But I mean, like I've watched uh, movies like free solo and I even had an old coworker who used to rock climb and we would talk about it uh, like on our lunch breaks and stuff. Um, so do you mind telling us a little bit about it? Just cause I find it so fascinating. Yeah. Um, the first time I, I don't remember how rock climbing kind of like came into, into my brain and how I wanted to try it, but I was in New York city randomly, um, visiting some family there and just decided to take the subway to Brooklyn boulders and just try it by myself. And, um, I've always been kind of athletic and like love sports, but just the new aspect of doing something physical, but also kind of like solving a puzzle with your body was really fun. Um, and so when I was living in Chicago, I got really into rock climbing, which, um, that's actually how I met my wife actually, because I got really into, um, kind of like the gym community and I was looking for a new apartment. And so was she, and we both got the same, um, apartment. There were two bedrooms available, just like it was a rock climbers apartment. So we were there almost all the time. And we did rope climbing, bouldering, um, but it was so much fun. We haven't been climbing nearly as much lately. Obviously, she's pregnant, but even before that, um, but climbing in a gym, climbing outside, like they're both so different and so much fun. And it kind of doesn't matter like how in shape you are, how much um, strength you have, because there are always ways around it. Like you could be the strongest person and somebody who's 
you know, like never climbed before will come and like, you know, solve a problem. You're just like, okay, seriously. But <laughs> oh, that's really fascinating. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Because like one thing I remember about my coworker is he has like huge hands. <laughs> and I'm always like, because I have like the tiniest little things. I'm like, I don't know if I'd be able to have the strength to like get in like in between rocks and stuff to hold myself up but it actually sounds a little inspiring to know that maybe maybe one day I could at least attempt like a wall inside or something yeah absolutely there and there are like different difficulties so there are always ones for when you're starting out but yeah you should definitely go soon you're making yeah. me want to go climbing <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool maybe that's soon really maybe soon <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, the farm work's going to start again soon. So I'm probably not going to be having much time for climbing. I'll be digging instead, but uh, (laughs) I'll make muscles that way. (laughs) What kind of farm do you live on, work on? Uh, So we have an organic farm. Um, It's now it's all herbal teas. So we have like uh, 30 different varieties of plants that we grow and we um, we like to call ourselves squirrels where we harvest everything all summer. We squirrel it away and then sell it in the winter because uh, we sell like the dried uh, herbs afterwards. Um, a long time ago, before I met Jody, who's my my boyfriend, uh, he, they used to do uh, different livestock uh, cows and stuff. Um, but over the years, it kind of transitioned into vegetables and then into herbal teas. And so now that's what we do for for us yeah it's it's cool it's demanding because it's organic so we can't use uh pesticides and chemicals and stuff so it's like weeding by hand and everything but we're working on some stuff this year to like make it easy so that the work is maybe not at like less work but different work okay yeah if that makes any change it up a little bit (laughs) just change it up exactly exactly Like, like a little less grueling kind of a thing like less manual labor or yeah kind of like it because um we found out that we can use certain row covers now. So then we also don't need to till the soil. We can actually just put the row covers down and leave them and then just plant directly every year into the, into the ground. Um, so, you know, that will cut out weeding and tilling, you know, twice a year because we have to do it in the fall and then again in the spring. Um, so that would, you know, it's like little things like that, that will change. It will change how we actually transplant. Cause right now we use a tractor and two of us sit on the back and we've got like these wheels that turn and we put the plants into the wheels and they go down. Um, yeah. but we're transitioning like right now it's my in-laws, Jody and me who do it. And we're transitioning the in-laws like out of it. Uh, so that will only be Jody and I really doing doing all the work so we can't I I can't sit on the back of the transplanter like <laughs> both wheels going and whipping plants into the ground unfortunately um I so, believe in yeah. you Jess I think you can do it <laughs> I don't yeah <laughs> no I don't I don't have that much faith in myself <laughs> but uh yeah it's 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 grueling but it's a lot of fun and I do really enjoy it um and so just real quick though because you do have a project that is based on you know um farming kind of mostly rural spaces uh, rural spaces and yeah but before we dive into that project um i do want to yeah. talk to you a little bit more about how you got into portraiture um i know that your wife is a big inspiration for you a big you know reason why you do portraits um but it is definitely a style that can be difficult for some people to get into uh 
And your portraits just look so natural and almost effortless while really drawing the viewer in. So, you know, how do you do it? What advice would you have for someone who wants to get into portrait photography? Yeah, I mean, in a way, I've kind of always been interested in portraiture. Um, I'm really sentimental. So I'm, I'm kind of always thinking about like someday these people that you're photographing are going to be gone. And it's kind of morbid, but um, like in a way you're just like, you're recording them and your part and their importance, not only to you, but like all of their loved ones. Um, and just kind of like having that mindset and always thinking in that way really influences the types of portraits that I make. Um, but even just thinking about like, you, what advice would I give somebody? Um, definitely first, I would just say, find somebody who's willing to take the time and kind of like explore, um, different things with you. I always find it helpful when I have like a purpose for photographing someone. Um, I feel like I get a lot of like creative blocks if I'm just like, oh, we're going to go make pictures. And then I'm just kind of like looking at a blank canvas, like I have no idea. So having um, a purpose for photographing somebody always helps me, like whether it's commemorating a time in their life or um, even just taking like a moment to be intentionally present together and just kind of like having that be the purpose that you're getting together. Um, but after that, you really just have to go out there and try and make mistakes and be willing to make mistakes. Um, and that's definitely easier said than done. Cause I feel like even this last weekend, like I've been trying to, um, make portraits of me and my wife, if not every day, like every other day. And I was kind of feeling in a rut and just about like making portraits together and, um, we were talking a lot about the creative process and how it doesn't feel effortless at all when you're in the middle of making it. It's really easy to like look at it later and be like, oh my God, it's such a like serene moment when really I'm like tripping over the tripod and like hot under the dark cloth and cranky. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be making these photos because we're supposed to be like, you know, considering this important time in our life while I'm just cranky and hot. And what am I actually doing? And um, so anyways, but I was just asking my wife this weekend to make sure that she felt like she didn't feel like what we're doing together is performative because I definitely don't want to have that feeling like permeate amidst all of my frustration and like creative blocks. So anyways, <laughs> um, it's definitely a process, but I was thinking, okay, recently, I feel like I've heard people say the, some, some photographers love photographing and they find the most joy in taking the photo. Whereas other photographers are a lot more invested in like the final product and looking at the photo. And I think what I've realized is that like the joy that I get from photography is looking at the photo later more okay. so than the process of actually making the photo. Like I do find making portraits to be difficult sometimes. And like internally I'm stressed about like, what is the light like? What are we gonna do? Do they feel natural? Do they feel comfortable? Um, so I feel like internally I'm usually like, have so many things swirling about, but then I look at the photo later and I'm like, wow, I wanna do that again. <laughs> 
That's awesome. I feel that almost makes it like almost more worthwhile. But then again, I'm saying this not as the photographer, but if you think about all the the work and all the effort and all the the, the time that you're putting into taking the photo, and then when you see the end result and something that you are really proud of, I think that's like fantastic to like to have that. And like like Jess says, like the photos that I've seen you produce, like they look effortless. They look so like natural, and they look so like for lack of a better word, like almost like peaceful or or very just like like relaxed. And that's just something that just seems so like wonderful. And it's one of the things that really like kind of drew me into uh, your work. Um, and yeah, so everything is just like me being very fangirly right now. But like the fact that you're saying that like it's difficult, that it makes sense. But I'm just like really glad to hear that like at the end of the day, you're still very proud and very happy of like the product that you are that you're taking. So yeah, thank you. I mean, it's definitely good to hear that it doesn't feel like that looking at the <laughs> how I was stressed making it. No, you definitely don't feel the stress that the photographer felt when you look at your photos. Like you you just have such a good way of placing people within their own environments. And I think that maybe that's also part of what is so good about what you do is that you take the time to ask people sometimes how like where they'd like to be photographed um, or just, you know, even the one of your mom with her plane. Like that is just such a fantastic photo. And you can really see the you know just the love the admiration that you put into into your portraits that's that's what I find really quite unique I guess that's not really something you can necessarily teach someone I think that I like you said you just have to go out there and try it for yourself I know for me I'm terrified to photograph people I much prefer to be in the woods photographing trees because they're not going to talk back to me or yell or anything like that but when I see your portraits I'm like okay I actually am thinking about trying to do something like this because even like my family I don't photograph very often and you know I do think that it would be nice to have that reminder of them you know later on even even if that does seem a bit morbid or sad it's a good reason to take people's photos so yeah Yeah. It's it's interesting I feel like I mean obviously every person has their own um like viewpoint and take and just like every person makes their own work kind of like through their lens. But I think that's why my portraits feel so like, I don't know what the word is. Um, maybe like serene or like, I don't know what, which word you're using earlier. But um, I think because I am so freaking sentimental and cheesy that like, it's just like, that's what comes out of me. That's the kind of stuff that I make. <laughs> but I think that's also just what makes your one of the things that makes your photos just like so like captivating because you can almost feel that sentimentality behind it and you know like you made a comment earlier that you you like to take the photos because you're thinking kind of like in the future having something like a legacy almost something to look back on and you know being a person of like the queer community is just like being able to have something that you can look back on and be like this is something that was there something this was like this was real in this moment in time to me I find that very like like tugging on the heartstrings so like for me I find it very wonderful and like the fact that you're able to do that and show such like wonderful photos such like sentimental so like it's it's so beautiful that like it's I have no words really obviously I have no words but but it just I find it means a lot to like people like me and I'm sure it means a lot to the people that you take the photos of as well and honestly, like just talking about being in the queer community, that's I had that experience looking at a book of 
um, like queer history and the fight for gay liberation, there was like this quote at the beginning and I'm gonna read it because it was just like, it just hit me so hard. Um, so, but the book is called We Are Everywhere, Protest, Power and Pride in the History of Queer Liberation. Um, so the quote, like, I think it was from the two authors who put the book together and it was near the beginning. Um, but it just says like, looking at the pictures together, we'd get lost for hours. We had a visceral emotional reaction as if we discovered a family album full of people to whom we were deeply connected, infinitely indebted and about whom we knew next to nothing. And I just read that and I was like, holy shit, I feel like I need to participate in this because I feel like I'm so moved looking at these images and like, you know, there's history happening, happening all around us. There are people who are important, who deserve to be documented and like deserve to be seen at a later time. So that's like, I'm glad you said that because that like started everything for me. I'm trying really hard not to get sentimental right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> I'll put myself on mute. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and so like most of your work, when we scroll through your Instagram, it's pretty much in black and white. I think I've seen maybe a handful in color. Uh, is there a reason for this? Like, it does it kind of strip everything away for you? Or, you know, like, what what is it about black and white film that really draws you to shooting it? Yeah, I mean, even when I was younger, um, and shooting digitally, I just remember like editing my photos, and there would be the couple that would just like, need to be in black and white. And those were always my favorite. It just felt like, um, more captivating in a way. And I think definitely like stripping away the color for me like there's less distraction it's more about like um the person the expression on their face more so than like oh they're wearing a red shirt with like a little yellow tag on it um so definitely that's part of it um and it really helps that black and white film is cheaper yeah. uh, so it kind of works out it's a win-win yeah, definitely a lot cheaper, especially in in large format. Um, All easier to develop too. Yeah, well, I bought I bought three boxes of Ektar because they only sell Kodak in boxes of ten now, which is like ten sheets, which is really annoying. Um, and it was like I don't know a hundred dollars a box or something. I was like, oh my god, this is worse than instant film. <laughs> Do you develop your own your color film? I should. I, I do want to, um, because especially now that I'm getting into four by five, I really I'm a little bit of a control freak in that sense. I don't actually like relinquishing my film to the to the lab each time, even though I can totally trust them and they do fantastic work. Um, I just haven't gotten up the courage to actually try doing my own C41 processing yet. Um, it's coming. It's coming. I have the chemicals. They're sitting there. They're waiting. It's coming. But uh, I don't yet. But I do develop all of my black and white because I that that is something for me that I need to control. I need to know what developer is being used. I need to control the times, like all of that, because I'm going for a specific look when I shoot black and white. Whereas color, color, I find it, it's easy to just let the film be the film in a way, if that makes any sense. Whereas black and white, you can really control the variables with what, you know, how much agitation you do or the developer you use, all that. So that for that, I'm much more like strict, I guess. Yeah. So I do it myself. Yeah. Totally. And thinking about the black and white, I mean, another big thing is that I do love making the prints in the dark room. So mm -hmm. in a way, it's kind of like, why would I shoot color if I can't do that? So. Yeah. 
Oh, and I just saw that you built a little like a table for your eight by ten enlarger now. Because you were saying, yeah. I think at one point you had said that you couldn't actually do um, more than contact prints for your eight by ten. So now yeah. you're going to be able to enlarge them. That's so yeah. cool. I'm so excited. Congratulations on that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So my stepdad, well, I'm really lucky because like there are people close to me who know construction. And so like my stepdad and my brother helped me build the walls for the dark room. They helped build the sink and he built me the table that my enlarger was on which I used to have a smaller and larger on that table. And since I got the eight by 10, he came over yesterday and he cut the legs off to make it much shorter so that it fits. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I miss the dark room for sure. Yeah. So you've made prints in the dark room before That's what you were saying. Yeah, I have. Um, I used to, when I was in university, I took a couple darkroom classes. So that's where I learned. And then uh, when I lived in Montreal, uh, I did have access to a community darkroom and I could go and print for hours, like just being under the red light. I would always have a special playlist, like whatever mood I was in that day, I would have music going and just to watch your print, like come to life in the chemicals, like in the developer bath. And you're like, oh my God, this is my work. Like I did that. I made that. It is yeah. just the best feeling in the world. Totally. Yeah. And especially like when you develop your own pr or you develop your film, make the prints, it's kind of wild to be like, wow, I like made every bit of this. Yeah, absolutely. Other than the film and paper, but yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a minor <laughs> detail. That's a minor yeah. detail. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess now we'll get to you know, your main project, or at least the one that you're getting quite known for, because I'm seeing your name popping up. You were even on Matt Day's channel for, for a little interview. That was awesome. I loved that video. Um, but I'd like to talk about Queer and Rural Spaces, because this project is just so beautifully done. Uh, everything from the photos themselves to even the stories that everyone offers up. Um, and being a farmer myself, this project does speak to me on many levels. And so even though I do spend a lot of time capturing the farmscapes and nature surrounding me, I would never have thought to do a project like this. So what gave you the idea to begin with and how did you actually get started? Yeah, um, so kind of where the project came from, it was around the time that my wife and I were thinking about where we would settle down and start a family. and. I had lived on a farm previously. Um, I wasn't like totally out at that time. And I really missed living on a farm. Like I loved all the chores. I love the chickens. I really miss the chickens. And I was just, I wasn't sure that I'd like, I'd feel safe, to be honest. I wasn't sure, like, you know, there's no hiding it. It's me, my wife, there's going to be a kid, you know, it's obvious. And not that I would want to hide it, but um, so I, I really just wanted to talk to people who were already living those experiences in those places and talk to them about how they felt, you know, like, did they feel safe? Did they feel fulfilled? Um, really all of those things. So um, yeah, I mean, that's how it started. And I kind of just had the idea. I mean, I, after reading that book, I was starting to photograph some of my some of my friends in the queer community and I was kind of like thinking what I wanted to do with that and then as I was having that thought I was I was like well that might be a really a good ex a good excuse to go and talk to people you know about what it's been like for them so 
actually they're in a Facebook group, a queer Facebook group in our areas. There was a, a queer farmer who was starting a CSA. And so I signed up for the CSA and I was like, also, I'm thinking about doing this project. Do you think you'd be interested in participating? And um, they said yes. So we went to visit them like one morning and I just kind of figured it out along the way. But pretty much everybody that I've met for this project, I've reached out via Instagram and just kind of explained what I'm what I'm thinking, what I'm hoping to do. And um, everybody's been so amazing. So I think that's the best part of, about it is meeting all the people and, and talking with them. That is so cool. And I'm sure that it's impossible to have a favorite story, but do you have like a few that stick out or? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I've started going back to, to visit with people again. And so it's easy to like, you know, develop stronger connections just because you've spent more time with them. Um, but I think so one that kind of stuck out was, um, Emmy and Hannah, and they live in Virginia. Um, so we're actually going back to visit them again this summer. And we didn't get out there last summer. So we've only seen them once. But um, at the time that we were visiting, Emmy was really pregnant. Like I remember we were driving out and we were messaging them. And I think Emmy was like, um, if I go into labor, like I'll just, you know, message you last minute and just say like, <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> um, but both of their experiences, it was interesting. Um, obviously, I think I posted the part of the story where Emmy was talking about um, just feeling really uncomfortable looking mm -hmm. so standardly female because she likes the transgressiveness of like um, appearing more masculine while still identifying like as a female bodied person. Um, but what Emmy was saying, I think Emmy and Hannah were, were both talking about just how they feel much safer living in such a rural area. They used to live in Brooklyn um, and they would both um, cross-dress all the time and they were constantly being harassed on the streets of Brooklyn um, and how they would never live in a city again. And they were like very adamant about that being rural, like living in a rural space is their, the, the place that they want to be. So I thought that was really interesting because I feel like, I mean, obviously I had that assumption, just like, would I feel safe living rurally where they felt much safer living rurally than in a city? So. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. That's one thing that does strike me about the country is, you know, a lot of people think that it's filled with like rednecks who play banjos, chew tobacco, drive big trucks and stuff, but it's actually really not like, it's surprising how open people can be even even if they're not as connected in the cities, you know, in the same way that people who live in the cities are. But um, that was one story that I actually really, really enjoyed as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's always there's so much nuance, even like to particular places. Um, like I think Emmy and Hannah were talking about also just how I mean, their neighbors were like, well, they just said, um, some particularly racist things where it was like just them being white still allows them like plenty of pri privileges, even though they're gay and kind of like have that nuance to it. So they're just, there are lots of complex. Mm -hmm. Oh, for know, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. There's sure. lots of layers of complexity. I mean, yes. um, no, no one place is perfect city or like country. No. 
But mm-hmm. as long as you could find some type of balance, really, and if you do end up feeling safe wherever you go, I think that's really the more important thing. So, Absolutely. I mean, I mean, even around here, women like female farmers, it's not a huge thing. Like most of them are the wives that stay at home and raise the kids. And my neighbors, uh, they have a 16 year old daughter and now she's driving the huge tractors and she's haying with them. And like, I think she's in line to take over. And like, it's, it's sad that mine and Jody's first reaction when we saw her driving the tractor last summer was, oh my God, she's actually driving. Like, wow, that's amazing. Good for her. And we were like, oh, we shouldn't be so surprised because of course she's going to be taking over the farm at some point. Like so one of the kids has to, there's, there's, there's two families. So there's four kids total and she's the oldest. And so we're like, yeah, that's typically what happens, but it would usually go to, to the boys out here. So even just being a woman is already kind of you know, something against you, I guess, for lack of a better word, but then to also just feel so different, you know, and especially if you're scared to come out or if you are out, but you're scared to get beaten up or, you know, you have the fear of moving from the city. Is the country going to be better? Or, you know, I can't, I can't imagine what, uh, what that thought process is like, you know, unwrapping, (laughs) unwrapping all of that. Totally. Yeah. Well, I do think that what I really like about your project is the way that you are essentially redefining people's perceptions of rural living uh, while highlighting the quiet strength and resilience that is found in these rural communities. Uh, Your portraits are really well done and you do have a way of bringing out both a vulnerability and even a sense of pride and comfort from your subjects. Like we talked about how they look really peaceful and serene in their surroundings and stuff. Um, I do know that from the stories you tell, sometimes you help out with chores or you take walks around the farm with them so i'd really like to hear more about how you approach each shoot like what does a day on the farm look like for you yeah definitely it can depend on like the type of farming that they're doing whether it's um like sam who um does our csa farming or whether it's more like a homestead um but definitely I make sure that we're not rushing into making portraits when I'm first meeting with somebody. So um, usually we'll try to arrive like a few hours before the evening light at the very latest. Um, Typically that's like if we're just like spending the afternoon together. For people who live farther away, like Emmy and Hannah and even like Marjorie and Dustin who live in Ohio, we usually like spend the night. Um, So and sometimes it depends how far we travel. Like for Marjorie and Dustin, the last couple of times that we've been, we've like, well, the first time anyways, we drove through the night. So then we had like the whole day. Um, but if, if it's our first time meeting, we'll just, you know, like walk around, they'll show us around and kind of talk about the things that they do. And usually um, I try to talk to them and kind of like have our discussion about their experiences and, um, how they identify and if they feel safe and things like that first. Cause I feel like it kind of like sets the emotional tone for like what we're trying to do here together. Um, just in that we're not trying to stay on the surface level. So, um, but as far as like farm chores, like sometimes if we've been with Sam, we'll like help pick tomatoes when they were harvesting tomatoes. Um, let's see with Marjorie and Dustin, I think the last time we were there, we helped um, clean out their greenhouse. Um, yeah, it can depend. I'm trying to think some of the other 
we've like harvested garlic with some people. I think they were, they do a CSA as well. Um, but so for me, it's fun because like for now, especially having kids, we have to stay around family just for help and, you know, support and things like that. So in a way I'm like, I'm getting my farm fill, like I'm getting the, the best parts of it. Um, so I really love it. When we were visiting Marjorie and Dustin last time, they have um, goats as well. So um, Marjorie was like teaching us how to milk the goats. And when I was in like the area, <clears throat> the fenced off area with the goats, they were like obsessed with my tripod, like licking my tripod. It was just, it was pretty funny, but yeah, it, it's, it varies with everybody. Yeah. I, I really like that you take that time though, to like, not just get to know them, but also to help out if you can. Um, you know, like I've always thought it would be great to have photographers come to the farm and kind of follow Jody and I around and just like, kind of see what we do. Cause it's so hard to photograph it ourselves. <laughs> like, like usually it's the two of us working. And so one of us has to stop and then we're ju literally just photographing the other one. Um, we could use self timers, I suppose, you know, and tripods, but I, I don't really trust self timers on my cameras. So I'm not sure that I'm willing to do that, but I like that sure. you, you, you take the time to also like you do some of the work. So you also learn how people move. So if you wanted to do more like documentary style, almost you would know like, okay, this is how they do that. So I'll know how to stand or place myself and get the right portrait. And I like yeah. that. And Kind of the biggest reason I wanted to do that was because I didn't like, I did not want our interactions to feel transactional. Like, you know, mm -hmm. photography is already this really big power imbalance in who's yeah. you're deciding how to take their photo, when to take their photo. Like you're in charge of kind of like shaping the narrative of what people are going to see. And I, so I just wanted to, it to feel like, more than me just coming there and taking your picture and leaving kind of a thing. And that's an, another reason why I wanted their interviews to be such a big part of it is, you know, I'm making all these decisions and how you're visually portrayed, but I, I wanted them to have the ability to like tell their own story too. Yeah. So it's like a collaboration project almost like, yeah, yeah I really like that. As a person that lives mostly in the city, I really do appreciate the fact that you do take the time to do the interviews because even just like reading it for me, probably because I am slightly ignorant, I'm not going to lie to you there. It does open up my eyes. It's like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of things that's happening. So mm -hmm. I like it. So the reading part is also very thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just talking to them and like every time we leave from visiting somebody we're driving home and we're like oh my god that was the coolest thing ever like you're just feeling I don't know if I don't think inspired is the right word but you're it just feels like such a special thing to be meeting and talking with somebody who you literally did not know before and you just had like this deep heart to heart about what their experiences in life have been like and so I think just for other people to be able to experience that in a way too is like you know, that's so much of where the, the, the power in it comes from me. I think well, it's, it's kind of, that, oh, like sorry. that human connection. That's all good. I think it's like that human connection that you have that makes it really special. And mm -hmm. like I said before, that sentimentality, it's all portrayed in the photos and the interviews. It's, it's the whole package. So thank you. I was just going to say, I think it's kind of cool that you like meet everyone on social media and then you take the, like, you get to meet them in real life. So you're like taking, literally taking the social from social media and getting a chance to get to know people 
uh, you know, like around, around the country and stuff. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Do you, yeah. do you think that you're going to like expand the project like outside of the States or are you going to stay with rural communities within the U S probably within the U S um, if I feel like mostly just because of money, probably. Yeah. Um, but even just if for some like reason I got this huge grant and I was able to go elsewhere, it's like, I want to make sure that I would be able to like do justice to like the breadth of the stories everywhere. So I've kind of been toying with, you know, moving forward, am I just gonna focus on like the people that I've kind of connected strongly with and kind of visit them over time? Or am I gonna, you know, try to have a lot of different people to share a lot of different experiences? Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And so, I mean, I guess you would consider, would you consider this project to be like a life's work kind of project? Like, do you see this being an open-ended thing or do you happen like do you have an end in mind can you have an end in mind with when you start something like this you know like what kind of goals are you hoping to accomplish other than you know telling incredible stories and making incredible photos yeah um I feel like I do have an end goal in mind like I'd love to make a book so that other people can have an experience similar to mine like buying a book and having those stories to learn about later um so that's definitely like my end goal. How long that takes, I'm not really sure. Um, it was cool. I did have the opportunity to like have a gallery show in Madison recently. So I made a bunch of prints for it and it was awesome to, to share that. Um, and I was able to like invite some of the participants and we all like had a discussion in, in front of the audience at the end. And that was really cool to kind of share their stories, you know, live and have people who are there experience that a little bit. Um, but it's so hard because I, in a way, I just feel like maybe other people feel differently. Gallery shows just feel kind of empty for me. It's like, it feels very um, showy or maybe like performative. And then it's just like over. And yeah. I want it to be more about like the exchange than it is just like on a wall. So um definitely I'm like thinking about the book and how to tell the story um but there's so much to think about in thinking about making a book so I have no idea how that's going to take shape I'm kind of just like I'll just keep going and keep working and I can figure that out yeah for sure and I mean at least right now you have Instagram and you do have your website which are you know two great ways of at least sharing the work that you're making along the way and the stories that you mm -hmm. have too, you know? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine like coming, like I come up with such small projects and then I'm like, I'm going to make a book. And I don't, of course, because <laughs> it's so, it's so hard to sit down and say, I'm going to make a book. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's really hard to say like, okay, now this is done. Let's do this. I can't, I couldn't imagine what this project would be like, but if you do make a book, I'm going to be the first one to sign up for it. I'm just going to be like, take all my money. <laughs> just, just take the money. Just take just, it. Take it, run. I'm going to buy one because it is just such an incredible project. Thank sure. you. I went to a portfolio review for the first time recently, and it was kind of like geared towards bookmaking. And so I was forced to make a book dummy. And that was like, it was so hard. You know, how do you incorporate the interviews? Do you do those interviews stay with that particular person? Or are you making more of like a general storyline? You know, does each person or subject have one portrait or do they have multiple? And oh, there's so much. Yeah. 
And especially if you do take the time to get to know them throughout the years, you know, like depending on when you decide you're going to end the project or whatever, if you do take that time to keep hearing their stories as it goes on, you're just going to have more and more and more words and photos. And yeah. you could probably even do like separate books, like a series of books on each. Yeah. <laughs> on each years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd I, say, be... I was going to say that'd be pretty cool to actually yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I know that you're also working on a very, very personal project that um, I, I don't even know how to really describe it because it's just got to be so much emotion going through both you and your wife right now. You're going to have a baby and of course you're photographing your journey along the way. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. Um so this project, I don't really have a name for it yet. I've kind of, I've just been t talking about it, like my fertility project. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Untitled baby I, project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it really started as we were like growing our family. So we, the fertility method that we picked. So my brother is our sperm donor and it's like such a emotional experience, like you know, there are so many emotions involved. I'm grateful that our baby can like have some of my genetics and, you know, like have that closeness. And um, they're just like, you know, you're, you're thinking about these things. Like, when do you tell your child about their origin story? Like you're going to have that conversation at some point and how do you tell it? And so that's kind of like what this project was born out of. Like, I wanted to be able to tell my child their origin story, how they came to be. Um, but it's also like kind of turned into like exploring the intimacy and like the intentionality of growing a queer family. Um, it's just like such a complex process and there are so many emotions that come to the surface. Um, so I've been trying to photograph like all of the different parts of the process. Um, and it was interesting, I went to the portfolio review and they were kind of telling me that they wanna see more of the emotional space as well. So that's what I've been trying to focus on lately is just making a lot of images of us together and kind of like exploring what our relationship is now and how that's gonna change and yeah. I'm just kind of like in the weeds with it all right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I've a lot. So, yeah. But I mean, already the photos that you're creating are just fantastic. I mean, just like everything else that you do, honestly, like you can see the love that the two of you have for each other and the respect and just like, yeah, it's, it, it's just so the, okay, I'm tripping over my words here, but it's all like, the feels. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. It's a really beautiful project. It's really well done Yeah, so far. I, have, I haven't um, shared too much of it. It's, it's kind of like, yeah. I don't really know why I haven't because I am the type of person that I like shout everything from the rooftops especially things that I like I'm excited about like I know Jess you saw my Instagram story that was like I'm obsessed with my wife yeah. um, <laughs> and, and that's like oh, that's so much oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's just like who I am as a person but I've shared like a little bit but it does feel like so intense and so emotional that I kind of like when do you share it how do you share it yeah it's just it's quite interesting and even like you know, the complicating 
factor of like my brother being our sperm donor and you know he's not ashamed of it I'm not ashamed of it but it's still like you know it's very personal and who do you share Mm -hmm. that with or how you share it and so there's a lot that goes along with it. And I'm assuming your wife is a very willing participant, (laughs) you know, but like you have to take into consideration how she feels as well. Like, does she have a say like, no, I don't want that photo going out or like, do you decide together? Yeah, definitely. Some of them, um, like we have taken some photos that are like, you know, in various states of undress, but she's also like, she's an elementary school teacher. So um, that definitely limits like what I could share, even if she were comfortable with it. Um, she's a very modest person. So I'm definitely like cognizant of that. And also, you know, I also want to be thinking about you know, I, I would be willing to share that, but would I be willing to share that of myself as well? You know, like, um, so yeah, there are just lots of, lots of things to think about, but I'm definitely, um, now that her like baby bump is showing more, I'm like obsessively trying to photograph everything about it. <laughs> I, like, uh, I love that. I love that story that you had today. Cause you were like, just in case everyone's forgotten that I'm obsessed with my wife, here's a photo. And she just, she just looks so cute with her, with her baby bump, you know? (laughs) Yeah. She's so cute. We're like, we'll be like falling asleep at night and I'll be, you know, just like thinking about different things and I'll have an idea for like a photo idea. So I'm like, hang on, I have to write this down. And this I'm like, (laughs) we got my break phone, but um, yeah, it's been so much fun even though it's stressful, even though I get frustrated taking the photos, like, I mean, I've, I've been obsessed with her since day one. I was in love with her for a long time before she realized that she also loved me back. So it's like, I get to like express my love and shout it from the rooftops and take photos all the time. So it just feels very much like, I don't know, I'm, I'm living my dream. So I'm going for it. (laughs) That's amazing. Absolutely love that. (laughs) And so do you have any other projects that you're working on, Um, new photographic techniques? Like, are you thinking of doing, you know, like wet plate and stuff? Like, because you do a lot of large format. Um, Yeah, what what's next? You know, I did take a workshop learning wet plate last January, and it was amazing. It was so cool. I would love to do it, but just the like chemical maintenance alone um just taking so much time I was like if somebody was doing the chemicals for me and I could just pour the plates you know and do all the physical parts of it I would love to um but I just it's not in the cards for me so um I don't think I have too many like other projects I'm definitely we've got planned a couple weeks weekends this summer to go visit some farmers earlier rather than later before she's too pregnant because mm. uh, my wife always comes with me and then just photographing the both of us like all the time I'm kind of trying to do as much as I can because I know once the baby gets here it's going to be a lot harder uh, and I definitely want to get some printing in the summer before the baby comes too so when I had that gallery show recently it was a a perfect excuse and the portfolio review because I made a bunch of the prints for that but it was a really good excuse to just be in the dark room making prints like eight hours a day like at least once or twice a week like anytime I could get in there and so just being in the dark room 
is that's one of my other favorite things to do sometimes even more so than taking the photos it's like it's this other side of making that is so fun it's so. just so tangible like you hold it in your hands after and you're like it went from a negative you know it went from a blank roll of film actually or a sheet of film into something that you can hold in your hands and put up on a wall and or give yeah. to someone yeah it's darkroom printing's amazing <laughs> I love I love printing with fiber paper because when you're going yeah. through the wash process, which takes forever, the paper feels so soft under your hands. It's yeah. like I feel weird saying it, but I'm one time before my wife was pregnant, I made her like feel the paper. I was like, you have to feel this. It feels like <laughs> so soft and it's it's crazy. Yeah, I I learned how to print on on um, RC paper, and I mean it's fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. But when I started using fiber paper, I was like, "Whoa, this is like next level at this point." It's yeah. a lot of washing, though. I yeah. have some ruined prints that I did not wash the chemicals off enough, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then drying them flat. Okay, I figured out that. So I tape them on a piece of glass. I like tape them at the edges. And that works really well. Okay. I got to keep that in mind. Because otherwise I have like stacks of curly prints and I'm like, what do I do with this now? I, I was taking like towels, like a few layers and putting an iron on really, really low heat. So, because mm -hmm. I don't want to burn anything, obviously. And so just going over them, like slowly, methodically trying to flatten them out. It it did work, but then you also have the um, markings from the towels. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that just makes it more unique, Jess. That's yeah. all. <laughs> well, then it starts taking on like a more pictorialist sort of look to, <laughs> yes. to the work. <laughs> intentional. And so which do you which camera do you prefer? Your four by five Chamonix or your eight by ten monorail? Um, that is tough. There are pros and cons. The Chamonix is so easy to move around, in part just because it's so much smaller. Um, and the eight by ten is such a beast but it makes such like beautiful photos. I would probably say, I'd probably say the eight by 10 because I'm also like one of those weird people that's, I'm like, I'm kind of masochistic where I'm like, if it's hard, it's worth it. And the harder it is, the more worth it it is. <laughs> so like tomorrow, um, tomorrow night, my mom's going to help me and Daniela take some portraits of us like at the horse farm next to her house. And so we're going to like go out, do some outside in the field and I'm totally bringing the eight by 10. I'm like, I have my wagon ready. I'm going to haul it up the hill. So it's dedication. Yeah. Right. So when you do your projects, just a quick question. Do you bring both your eight by 10 and like your four by five? Yeah, I have been. I th last year was the first year that I started um, using the eight by 10 with other people. Cause for a long time it was, you know, I didn't have my developing um, down where I didn't have any problems with it or, you know, things like that. So now I've been bringing both and just like sprinkling in a little eight by 10 when I feel like I can. Just a little sprinkle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like that one meme. <laughs> I hike with my RB67 in the woods and that's pretty, pretty heavy, but I cannot imagine bringing a four by five and an eight by 10 <laughs> around with me. I, I will say you probably hike farther farther than, than I do. I don't like venture Possibly. very so. Yeah, I don't. I, I I don't. I don't know how far you could hike. I mean, I guess you could if you really wanted to, like anything to get the shot. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. 
I've definitely hiked with the four by five before and I, I feel like the tripod was more annoying and heavy than my four by five because my four by five, you just put in a backpack, you know? Yeah. That's what I was going to say when, uh, when I got the intrepid, I was surprised at how lightweight it actually is. I was like, wow, everything, like my full kit weighs less than my Mamiya kit. So I was like, that's awesome. But then I'm still dragging around my regular tripod with me. And I'm like, oh, that's the problem. <laughs> that's yeah. what I need to change. <laughs> that's why you just do what I do. Just shoot instant all the time. It's fine. Oh, I love. I do love shooting instant and I need to start shooting more. Now the winter's over and I'm not worried about the chemicals freezing. I'm going to be taking out my instant cameras a lot more. But I can also shoot Polaroids on my RB67. So I don't know how lightweight it'll be. <laughs> I still have never shot instant. Oh, really? What? Yeah. It's fun. Other than like my friend has like a Fuji Instax or something. I don't know if you count that. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, I do, but <laughs> I count that. I mean, I even have a printer for Instax Mini where I'll just take a photo with my phone and print it out on the so that it's still like a Polaroid, but it was technically a phone shot. Mm -hmm. Those actually tend to be my best ones because they're like the sharpest and like the just look the best. Everything yeah. else is. I don't want to quite say a crapshoot, but I've had a few uh, mistakes. I mean, I feel like that is very accurate crapshoot. That's that's pretty accurate when it comes to Polaroids. <laughs> Especially Polaroid. Like Instax, I find, is a little easier to get a good exposure and everything. It's a little bit more forgiving in a way. Whereas Polaroid, maybe it's also the cameras. Um, I found that until I was able to start shooting it on my Mamiya and I could control all of my variables, I was throwing away like more than half the pack. Ooh, yeah, that hurts yeah. my heart. I know. Ooh. And that's $4 a shot. In a it's, way, that's yeah. how I always felt justified shooting large format. It's like, well, I could shoot like a roll or two and maybe get like a couple that I like, or I could just shoot a couple sheets of four by five and, and, and be happy with them. Yeah. 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 Well, uh -huh. the Ektar, the Ektar ends up being like $10 a shot. So <laughs> it's a little bit more, but I'm, a, I'm definitely a lot more careful. Like I'm more intentional and I take my time to meter. Oh, I'm so annoying when I'm metering. Like that's the part I don't show in my videos because <laughs> I'm like, okay, with my little spot meter, I'm like, okay, this part, okay, that part, okay, that part. And then I'm like, oh, wait, what readings did I have at first? Okay, I got to do this again. And that's why you need the notebook, Jess. Well, I do. I do. Yeah, I do have a notebook and I will write like after I've taken the shot, all my notes so that when I it's development time, I know what to do, but I just don't take all the other notes along the way. It takes a long time. It takes long enough without taking the notes. Exactly. All right. So I guess we're kind of wrapping it up. Chrissy, do you have any more questions or comments you wanted to throw in there before we, before we end it? Uh, nothing really um, that I haven't said already, but like, yeah, just want to say like Sarah, hundred percent. Thank you so much for coming on and letting us pick your brain on like portraiture and just talking about the wonderful work that you do. Um, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. I, I mean, I love talking about this stuff and any chance I get to talk about like the sentimental stuff, for sure, I'm, I love it. And where can everyone find your work, Sarah? So you can find my work on my website at sarahstellinophoto.com, or I also post occasionally on Instagram, also at sarahstellinophoto. Usually I'm posting stories of like my darkroom stuff more than anything. 
Well, on that note, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Uh, It was so much fun getting a chance to chat with you. I fully echo everything that Chrissy said. Uh, It's been just so wonderful to talk about your amazing work Um, and to get to talk about 4x5 or large format at least, and especially darkroom stuff. That's that's the one thing that I miss the most. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So until next time, this is Jess Hobbs. Grab your favorite cameras, make some memories, and most of all, have fun. All you, Sarah. This is Sarah Scalino. Um, sprinkle in a little large format next time. Once again, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, like I said, I love the work that you do and all the representation and the representation that you that you provide. Um, all the work that you do is just absolutely fantastic. And on that note, see you later, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. <laughs>